morning we thank you for your peace, your kindness, your love that pursues us and follows us no matter where we find ourselves right now in life. Lord, your love that extends and reaches out to every single one of us in this place this morning. Lord, I thank you in you there's no variance to turning. Lord, in you, Lord, your thoughts toward us this morning are constant. They never change, Lord. The plans and the purpose that you have for our life, Lord, has never changed. From the moment that we were conceived in your heart, Lord, Lord, the plan that you have, this unique tailor-made plan for our life has never, ever changed. And Lord, I thank you that you've, you place all that's within in us, Lord. You place your love, your courage, your wisdom in order to pursue the plan and the purpose that you have for our lives. And Lord, this morning, I pray that you will speak to your people. And Lord, I ask that, Lord God, that you will give us all the, the, the wisdom, the courage, the strength, the perseverance, the love, the tenacity to, to take the next step that we need to take in you. Lord, I just pray this morning that, Lord, as we follow you, that, Lord, you will strengthen our heart. Lord, I thank you that, Lord God, no matter what life looks like right now, no matter what circumstance we're facing, no matter what difficulties that we might be up against, Lord, I thank you this morning that we can have assurance to know that you are in control. And, Lord, the work, you are working in us to, 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 to will and to act according to your good purpose. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we put our hope in you this morning. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You ready for God's word this morning? Well, I'm going to crack on. I'm going to get straight into it. Do you know, I was, um, I was discussing with Al in the, in the car, my wife Alison in the car this week. You know, there's a, somebody that we know is going through a very difficult family situation. And we were just talking about how difficult it is to, to keep things together in a family you know how difficult it is to hold on to those things that are precious and are dear to us as we're trying to steer and navigate through the complexities and through the seasons of life. And, and it, it, as, as I'm thinking about this situation, you know, there are times when stuff just hits you, doesn't it? You know, there are things that have hit me and I've, I've cried out to God. I've said, God, why have you allowed this thing to happen to me? Why am I going through this? I'm doing my best to serve you. I'm doing my best to love you. Why has this gone on, Lord? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Anybody asked a question like that to God? We've all done it, haven't we? Every single one of us has asked that question. And you know, one thing we can know, we've, those who love Jesus this morning, we face a very real enemy, don't we? whom the Bible says has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But above all that, above all that, with great confidence and hope, we can know this morning in Christ that everything works together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen? And listen, we may not know why we go through the stuff that we go through. We may not know all the details of why we're going through it. But one thing we can know, there is a purpose. There is a purpose for why... God will allow, through the events of life, the bad as well as the good to come into our lives. There is a reason for it. And it's, it's on this subject I wanted to share just for the time that I've got this morning. So that every single one of us here can stick with the plan and can stick with the program that God's got for our lives. And if you're not a believer here this morning, then you'll get on board because there's no greater life. There's no more fulfilling, purposeful, enriching life than to love Jesus and to serve the purposes of God in our generation. Amen? Do you know, I was, um, uh, not that long ago, I, I, uh, 
I decided to hang some pictures on the wall in our living room. And uh, what should have been a straightforward job ended up to be a bit of a nightmare. I started a job on a Sunday night when I was tired and ready for bed. Not a good time to start a job. I didn't have all the materials. And, and uh, so I didn't have any sort of, you know, the picture wire that goes on the back of a picture so you can hang it up. I didn't have, I didn't have any, any wire. So in my wisdom, I thought, I don't know what I'll do. I'll, I'll put two screws in the wall and just drape the picture over these two screws. Not a good idea. Now, I got my line, I, I, I drilled the holes, put my screws in, put the picture over the screws, stepped back to admire my handiwork, only to discover the picture was off sync. It was skewed. It wasn't off by much, but it was off just a little bit. And I was saying, oh, it's all right, just leave it. But no, no, I've got to get it right. I've got to get it right. And I'm tired and frustrated. So I get my drill, whack it in the wall, and suddenly, bang. There's a massive bang, there's a green light, and then the lights go out. Thankfully, not my lights, but the downstairs lights went out. You guessed it, I hit an electric cable. And, um, and there I am, I managed to get the lights on, uh, back on, and I'm, I'm gouging a big hole in the plasterboard to see what damage I've done to the electrics, and I'm thinking, if only, if only I'd have started the job earlier, if only I'd have listened to Al, if only I'd have had the materials to do the job, if only. Anybody been in an if-only situation? But, you know, my incident, it reminded me of an Old Testament account where God was working on a job that God botched up. But unlike, unlike me, unlike my incident, the reason why the job got botched up wasn't because of a lack of skill or a lack of patience. The reason why the job that God was working on was botched up was because the material that he was working with was flawed. And that material was his people. And throughout the Old Testament, if you, you know, we see, don't we, in the Word, we see this constant frailty of God's people living in a perpetual cycle of obedience, disobedience, and repentance. Obedience, disobedience, and repentance. Anybody been there? Come on, we've all been there. We're all there to some extent, aren't we? And in the scripture we're going to look at this morning, God's people were were in a place of disobedience. In fact, they were racing headlong towards disaster. But God, in his mercy and his grace, he sent a prophet to warn them. But not just to warn them, but also to reveal to them that he wasn't going to abandon them. And he was going to fulfill his plan that he had for them as a people and he had for them as a nation. And I tell you this this morning, as a believer... No matter how messed up your life has become, no no matter how damaged you are, if you allow him, God, I guarantee this, God can turn your life around. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, the work that he started in you, no matter how how messed up your life is, being confident of this, the work that he started in you, will be completed until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? God, if you let him, will finish the work that he started in you. And the scripture I want to read this morning is found, we know this passage very well. It's a famous passage. It's found in Jeremiah 18, verse 1 to 6. It's the passage about the potter and the clay. Isn't this a great passage? It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so you're in my hand, O house of Israel. 
this passage reveals to, to me, it, when, I spoke, when I read this passage, it spoke to me how it's a picture of the human heart, but more importantly, it's a picture of God can take an unyielding, rebellious life and transform it into something of incredible worth and value. It's a picture of how God can take our regrets, our if-onlys, the stuff that we sometimes think has damaged us beyond repair and make out of us a vessel through which his, his grace, his mercy, his love, his goodness can flow into a, a dying world. Amen? What shouted loudly at me when I read this passage was very often, as believers, we put a great deal of emphasis on us doing a work for God, don't we? Don't we? Amen? And God has called us to do a work. There's a unique specific word that God has got for every single one of us. But whilst we put an emphasis on God doing a, uh, us doing a work for God, the emphasis should really be on God doing a work in us because it's out of God's work in us, the real true ministry, that ministry, that life, that anointing will flow. It's God doing a work in us. As believers, we've all been called to a specific plan and purpose, haven't we? There's a unique plan that God has got for our lives. And this morning, whether that, that job that God's got for you to, be, to, to, to do is to be a mum in, in a home or to be a dad in a home or, or it's to be a, 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 you know, a minister of the gospel or to be a doctor or to be a nurse, a hairdresser, whatever it is. Let me tell you this. Nobody is greater than anybody else in the kingdom of God. Do you know, we're all, in God's sight, we're all very, very important. But, you know, what we must understand is whilst we've been called to carry out a specific purpose and a plan that God has for us, we've also been called to be conformed to the image of his son. We've been called to be like Jesus. First and foremost, Romans 8.29 says, For those whom we foreknew, we also pre- he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And when we look at this scripture this morning, we must understand But before we can embrace the will of God for our lives, we've got to understand the will of God. We have got to understand the process that God will take us through to make us into the vessel that he desires. Do you know, in this scripture, do you notice that it says that the potter was making something at the wheel? God doesn't say what that thing was he was making because God didn't want the emphasis to be on the vessel. He wanted the emphasis to be on the process of making the vessel. Too many of us want to know what vessels we're going to become. We want to know what lovely pot that we're going to become. But we don't want to know the process that God has to take us through to get us to that place. You know, if we look around this morning, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can get I don't know, in awe of people. I can remember um, being here and, and some, you know, having the privilege of seeing you know, some of the great men of God have visited the church and, and you know, gone to the back and, had, and time, spent time with them and so on. And sometimes you can get overawed with that. You know, meeting somebody, a godly figure that you've looked up to. But let me say this. No matter who it is this morning, we're all a work in progress. Amen? On the inside of every single one of us, there is a sign saying that we're a, we're a work in progress. In every one of us. And on the outside, some of us should have a sign saying, warning, approach with care, because of all the carnage and, and all the mess that follows us. But that's okay, because God hasn't finished with us. We are a work in progress. We're not going to be finished until we get to heaven, amen? That's all right. So, from this scripture in Jeremiah this morning, I just want to share three simple points that will hopefully explain the process that God will take us through to make us in the vessel that he desires, which might give us some perspective and understanding as to why we go through the things that we go through. So rather than looking on the small picture, 
rather than focusing on what we're going through right now, we might look on a bigger picture. Amen? So the, the three points of these, I want to look at the potter's pit, the potter's process, and the potter's patience. Firstly, the potter's pit. Before the potter can make a vessel, he has to dig that clay out of the ground. Now, the clay could be filled with all kinds of rubbish, all kinds of impurities, sticks and stones, and all kinds of stuff. But you know, the potter doesn't care. He doesn't care about the state of the clay. The potter sees beauty in the clay. In fact, before that clay is taken out of the ground, he already has a plan for it. He already has a purpose in mind for it. Isn't that awesome? Psalm 42 says, He brought us out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry clay. Aren't you glad, those in crisis moment, aren't you glad that when you were in the pit and mire of sin, when you were into all that stuff, God, through the convicting power of his Holy Spirit, blasted you out and took you and gave you a, 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 a place to stand by him. The Bible says, that, do you know wow, how wonderful this is? That we're not just, God didn't just take us out of the mess we were in and leave us there. The Bible says that God made him, Jesus, to, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We can look God in the face this morning. Not because of us, not because of our works, nothing about us, but because of what he's done for us, amen? Isn't that awesome? We're children of the king. We're a child of God. So, you may be here this morning, and maybe this this morning you just see your life as a a piece of worthless clay. To you, your, your life has no real beauty or value. All you see is the mess, all you see is the sin, all you see is the stuff that you've been into that's contaminated your life. Let me, let me say this, give, give God the clay of your life this morning. Do you know, he's not, he's not looking for diamonds or he's not looking for precious stones or some super duper person. He's looking for clay that he can mold. Give him some clay that's been despised. Give him some clay this morning that's been rejected. Give him some clay that's been used and abused. Give him some clay that's been overlooked and see what he'll do with it. You see what God will do with your life. You know, God can make diamonds out of dirt. He can make pearls out of pain. You, you, you discover how a, a pearl is made in an oyster. And listen, worthless rubbish can be, in the hands of the pot, in the hands of God, can be made into something of incredible value. Give him the clay of your life. Do you know, I was, I was 34 years ago, just 10 years of age. No, it was a bit longer than that. I, 34 years ago, I was, I was in a pub in Newport, 22 years of age, just lonely, wondering what life was about. And the master potter came into that pub and take all, took hold of my life. A, a young lad that I knew shared the gospel with me simply on a beer mat. He drew a simple illustration of how that, that I couldn't come and have a relationship with God because of sin. He just drew a, drew a stick man, and then he drew a golf, and then he drew God, and he said... When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he made a way for you to have a relationship with God. He just drew a cross between the gap. And you know, when he said those words, a a peace flooded my being. A light came into my life that I never, ever encountered before. It was supernatural. I had such a peace. And I had this overwhelming sense that my life was going to be all right. It was incredible. It was like, Dale, your life is going to be all right. You see, in that pub, the master potter took hold of the clay of my life. I didn't know what vessel I was going to become, but I knew God had placed eternity in my heart, and I knew that my life was going to work out all right. I knew. You know, and you may be here this morning. I don't know, but anybody got any regrets here? Anybody got any regrets? 
And some of us, you know, some of us are filled with regret. We look at our life, we look at the mistakes and the mess and all those wasted opportunities, all that stuff, and we think, my God, I, God you'll ne- no, I can never finish the plan that you have for my life. Listen, if you allow him, God, listen, your latter days will be better than your former days. And God can turn things around in a moment if you let him. And I was just thinking this week, Samson must have thought the same stuff. He must have thought the same thing. You know, he broke his vow to God. His, head had been sha- his hair had been shaved. And there he was in a, in a Philistine prison with his eyes gouged out. Strength had left him, grinding grain for his enemy. But the Bible says that his hair began to grow again. Isn't that great? And as they dragged him out into the temple to make fun of him, to make sport of him, the Bible says as Samson was holding onto those pillars, he cried out to God and his strength returned. And Samson killed more of the enemies of Israel in his death than he did in his life. Cock and flip it in a moment. And I want to prophesy this morning. You know, your hair might not grow back if you, if you need it. But I don't know, I'm believing. There is hope. But I tell you this, I prophesy this morning that your strength is going to return to you. Your strength is going to return. In Jesus' name, that anointing, that gifting that's been fettered and shackled and locked up for so long is going to return in Jesus' name. So that you can finish the work that he started in you. Amen? You know, you you may be here this morning and you've stepped out to do something for God and... You believe that in your heart, with all your heart, you've stepped out, you've tried to do something, and you've got injured, you've got wounded, you've got damaged, and you've left, you've down tools, you've left sight, and you thought, that's it, that's enough. I'm not having any more of this. I'm not doing this again. Listen, I believe this morning, and maybe just work this for one person. God wants to recommission you. You've been licking your wounds for too long. You've been convalescing for too long. God wants you to get you up on your feet and start working again, amen? Listen, you know... You think, you think you're going through some stuff. You think you've been damaged doing a job for God. Listen to this fella. I thought it was quite amusing when I read this. You may have heard this before. But this fella who was uh, writing a letter, um, which was to be added to like, this incident report. Listen to this. Dear sir, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information on the accident reporting form. Trust that the following details will be sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trade. And on the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of bricks left over. So rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which fortunately was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went back to into the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500-pound bricks. You'll note on my accident form that I, my weight is 135 pounds. <laughs> Due to my surprise, I've been jerked off the ground so suddenly I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel, which was now proceeding in a downward direction at an equally impressive rate of speed. This explains the fractured skull, minor abrasions, and the broken collarbone as listed in section three of the accident reporting form. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of the excruciating pain I was now beginning to experience. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Now defied over the weight of bricks, the barrel weighed approximately 50 pounds, and as you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. (laughs) 
in the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles broken to us and severe lacerations on my legs and lower body. Here, my luck began to, to change slightly. The encounter with the barrel seemed to slow me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks, and fortunately, three vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the pile of bricks in pain, unable to move, and watching the barrel six stories above me, I again lost my composure and presence of mind and let go of the rope. The empty barrel weighed more than the rope, so it came back down on me and I broke both my legs. Now, I don't know whether that's truth or not. But the reason why I say that is, listen, don't focus on the hurt. Don't focus on what you've lost. Focus on what you have. Focus on what God has given you. Listen, with God, you are more than a majority. The Bible says, doesn't it? that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. If we trust God, with God, you are more than a majority. You're more than a match for any situation you might face right now. No matter how it feels, no matter what is coming against you, in Jesus' name, God is more than a match for whatever you're going through. So that's the potter's pit, the potter's process. The next thing the potter does after washing the clay, he doesn't leave it in that condition for long. The next thing he does is to, uh, he, so, he, so he, he, wash, sorry, he washes the clay. The next thing the potter does after digging the clay out of the ground is to wash it to get all the impurities out of it. Do you know, aren't you glad that, that when, you were, when, when Jesus came into your life, he didn't leave you in the state that you were in? Aren't you glad? Do you know, I'm so glad when God, 20, 34 years ago, whatever it was, when, I, when Jesus came into my life, thank God that he cleaned me. You know, it's only through his blood, amen? Yes. It's only through the precious blood of his son that we are whole this morning. Yes. Listen, no self-help group, no, no counselor, no, as good as these may, they may be, can, not give you peace in your, can give you peace in your heart and, a, and an assurance that you're saved. There's only one that can do that, and his name is Jesus, because he's, he's the only one who died for you, Amen. He's the only one who shed his blood for you. There's no cleaning agent in the world can get, can, can, can eradicate your sin on mine this morning. There's only, there's only one thing that can do it, and that's the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you know, I was just thinking of how clean I felt when I was first saved. You know, I was just thinking back to the time when I gave my heart to the Lord. And it was like, you know, the word, my heart was soft. And, and it was like the word that I heard. I can remember the minister, a lovely man of God preaching the word and it was just like my it was like I was there on the on one of the rows at the front of the church and he's looking in my in my eyes and I'm thinking my goodness he knows everything about me and there's tears streaming down my face and I'm my it was just you know I just felt just brand new I felt that this man knew everything about my life well I know it was the Holy Spirit that knew but God knew everything about me and as I committed my heart to the Lord that that at that time you know my my heart just changed I just couldn't wait to get to church. You know, I just, I, I would want to be at any meeting I could, whether it was a, a men's meeting, I'd go to a ladies' meeting if they let me in. I'd go to any meeting. I'd go to the prayer meetings. I just wanted to be, I, I just wanted a growing God and I wanted to be with his people. I can remember, you know, did, did anybody think when you first become a Christian that all Christians are perfect? I thought it. You know, the people that I were, they were wonderful, beautiful people, mature people. They, they, they just loved God, and I learned so much from them in those early years. And, but there was this one lady, uh, bless her, she was in her 80s, and, you know, they used to give you hugs and kisses, and this lady used to come up to me in the service, she'd give me a kiss. But she used to have a, a little pimple on her chin with whiskers coming out of it. And, and every day it was like kissing a cactus, it was. It was like, it was like she gave me a facial scrub every time she... she Every time she hugged me, but it was great, I didn't care, because I was in love with Jesus. The will was fantastic. That was great. 
But you know, the potter, you know, but it's great looking back at those times, isn't it? When we first gave our heart to the Lord, how clean we felt. But you know, the potter doesn't leave the clay in that condition for long. The next thing he does is to smite the clay. And that's what we don't like. The potter will, will knead and pummel and work that clay and he will repeat the process over and over again so that the clay is usable and workable, so that he can use that clay for what he wants, when he wants it. You know, and as baby Christians, there, are t- there, there is a time after we give our heart to Jesus. And many of you, I'm sure many of us have gone through a lot of stuff before we even come to Jesus. But you know, this seems to be that honeymoon period, doesn't it? When we accept Jesus and everything seems to go right and, every, and all our prayers are answered. That, and then there's a, a period where God will allow the playpen that's protected us as baby Christians. He will, he will take that away and he will expose us to some knocks and bumps, won't he? And that's all a part. It's all a process of maturing us and growing us up. You know, but some, some of us, you know, we see it, don't we? We see how some people think that God only exists to make them happy. And when things don't work out, when things don't go their way, when, when their, their, their fantasy that they thought was of God didn't, didn't turn out according to how they wanted it to, they throw the toys out of the pram. In fact, they don't just throw the toys out, they get out of the pram and start walking away from home. They do, don't they? And that's what we're like. But you know, God will allow the knocks and bumps in our lives to, to grow us and mature us. Do you know, one of, what, this, when I was doing some study, one of, one of the things, I thought this was very interesting. One of the reasons why the pot has to work with clay is to get the air bubbles out of it. Because a pot that can make a, a pot that looks flamboyant and looks innate and grand and, and, and fantastic, but if there's air bubbles in, in it, when it goes into the furnace, that, that pot can explode destroying itself and all the other pots around it. So he's got to work the pot. He's got, to, he's got to get those air bubbles out of it. And it's the same with our lives. You know, there are inflated areas in our lives, every single one of us, that God will expose. Because if he, allow, if he allows those areas to stay in our lives, they can harm not just us, but the people around us. You know, we've all got areas. We've all got these puffed up areas. And you know, God's got a fantastic way of popping our little egos that we love to stroke. <laughs> we've all got them, haven't we? You know, not just men, but women as well. We've all got these egos. What about what? The, and, and ego comes in very different, lots of different guises, lots of different forms. But what about this one? Always wanting to be right. Always having an answer to everything. You know, being an all might make you right, but it won't make you popular. You might win an argument. I tell you, being right, but you won't win many friends. And that's not to say we don't tell the truth, but it's to say that, listen, we have to temper the truth with love, don't we? We have to be wise when, we, when we, we speak truth. But you know, there are times when the knocks and the bumps of life will actually release a potential in us and propel us into the place that God wants for us. You know, I was reading about there's, a, there's certain desert plants that the seeds, the shell is so hard in the seed that the water can't germinate, the, can't penetrate the seed to germinate, or the, the shell, sorry, to germinate the seed. And these seeds can lay dormant in the sand, in a desert sand for years, until there's a storm. You know, and folks, let me tell you this, storms will come. Anybody been through a storm? Anybody haven't been through a storm? Well, he is aware of the warning, a storm's on its way, because storms are a part of life. And these seeds, they can be laying in the, in the sand for years, and then when a storm comes, the rain carries these seeds, and as they carry it away, they get knocked against the, the sand and the gravel and the rocks, and they pick up scratches and bumps and nicks on the shell. 
which allows the water to permeate, to penetrate the shell and to, and to, and to, to, to hit the seed, the life germ inside and to grow the, grow the seed. And it's the same with us. You know, storms may be painful. They are painful. Nobody wants to go through a storm. You know, and they take us to, to places sometimes that we don't want to go through. But, you know, when, but, you know when we, the knocks and the bumps that we pick up along the way, through a storm, through a trial, through a, a, a situation that's so difficult, those knocks and bumps that we pick up along the way have a habit of tempering us, don't they? Yeah. They have a habit of softening our heart and releasing the anointing, the sweet-smelling fragrance of Jesus out of, into other people's lives. They just have a habit of doing that. It's not, it's not we don't want to go through that stuff, but that, you know, that is, that's why God allows some knocks and bumps. You know, and you may be here and you may, this morning, and maybe you feel you've been hit from pillar to post. You know, you've been, you know, you've been hit so hard and you don't think you've been pummeled, you've been knocked about, and you think, God, I can't take anymore. You know, I, I, I've been honest, I prayed that prayer. Lord, I, I can't take any more of this. And somehow, some way, God just rises up inside you, doesn't he? To face another day, to face another situation, to face another, you know, problem that you might be going through. And you get through it, don't you? And you may be here thinking, Lord, I've, I've had enough. I can't take another whack. I can't take another hit. I just can't, Lord, I can't. You know, God knows how much you can bear. He really does. And, and you know, he won't, he won't put you through more than you can bear. He really won't. And he wants you to know that it's going to be worth it. You wait until you see the pot that's going to come out at the end of it. You're going to make it. You wait until you see what, he, what, what you're going to become. You know, there's a scripture that Paul said. You know when Paul talked about the thorn in his side? And he's crying out to God and he's pleading, God, take it away, Lord, take it away. And the Bible says it was a messenger of Satan. But, but Paul says this, he said, but he said to me, so God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You may feel weaker than you've ever felt in your life. Well, it's not a bad place to be because when you feel weak, God is strong in you. Amen? Amen? So the, the, the clay is washed, is smitten, and then the, clay, the potter puts the clay on the wheel. And so the, wheel is, the clay is put on the wheel, and the wheel is spun around. The potter molds the clay as the wheel is spun around on the wheel. So he applies pressure to the clay. By putting his thumbs in the inside of the clay, and with his fingers, he works the clay upward. He works the clay in an upward motion, and that's exactly what God does to us. God works on the inside out. He's always working us upward. He's always positioning us and, and propelling us and moving us upward, heavenward. That's how God works. Religion works the opposite way. Religion works on the outside. Religion works on, on, on outward appearance and decorum and rules and all that kind of stuff. God's not interested in it. God isn't interested in your reputation this morning. Do you know that? He made himself, Jesus made himself of no reputation. He's interested in the heart. He's interested not just in what we do, but he's interested in our motivation for why we do it. And by the way, if what we do is right, but our motivation is wrong, guess guess what we've got to do? Keep doing what's right, but change our heart. Change our motivation. But, you know, very often when the potter works on the clay, as the wheel is turning around, as he applies pressure to the clay... The clay begins to fight. And the more pressure he applies, the more the clay fights. And I think it's like us sometimes, isn't it? God will bring a situation into our life, a difficulty, and we've got to try and mature us, to try and grow us, to try and mold us and shape us to be more like him. And what do we do? We fight. You know, some of us, you know, we fight God from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. We fight. You know, we can take a scripture. People can take one scripture and fight over God with it for the rest of their lives. 
Oh, I don't believe that. Listen, it's like what Pastor Dave has been preaching about. We have to make the word of God our final authority, not our experience, not what we just we think, the word of God. And some people, we think, you know, have you, have you, know, have you, have you thought about this in an argument? Have you, uh, you know, when you may be arguing with your spouse or a friend, you know, when you raise your voice, it's always shouting. But when they raise their voice, it's passion and, it, and it's motivation. Have you noticed that? Do you, anybody argue? We all argue, don't we? But it's always me that's in the wrong. Well, often it's me that's in the wrong. It probably is, actually. More often than not, it is. But, you know, we must understand that the more that the clay resists the pot, the, the harder and more unusable the clay becomes. The clay must allow the potter to define its shape and not the other way around. Verse eight, 6 of, of, of uh, chapter 18, Jeremiah says, God says, oh, house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Too many people want to push the potter around and tell the potter what, it, what they want to become. Too many people want to tell the potter what pot they want to become. And when, it, and when it doesn't happen, they jump off the wheel to, to become their own little pot, fashioning their lives and themselves as they choose fit. The only pot that they become after these people are crackpots. <laughs> they do. They become crackpots. Weird. They are the crackpots. They're weird. Uh, do, you know, do you know, we all know people. That, there's plenty of, of them in church circles, aren't there? Crackpots, weird and wacky. You know, got weird, got weird sort of ways about them. And what it means to serve God. They're not accountable to anybody. God doesn't want us to be a crackpot. But, you know, let me just give you a couple of reasons. I know time is cracking on. A couple of reasons why people jump off the wheel. People jump off the wheel, you know, because of the monotony of routine. The wheel spins thousands and thousands of times before the vessel is made. There are times when we can feel just like that piece of clay on the wheel, going round and around in circles. Same old routine, same old problems, same old scenery, same old life, same old results, round and round and round again. And there are people, you know, we know people like that who just live off their emotions. You know, they get fed up, when they get fed up and bored of stuff, they just jump off the wheel to the next new thing. You know, people do. You know, People jump off the wheel. They get fed up with their spouse, so they jump off the wheel to get another marriage. They do. And they, they spiritualize it and say this and that, but they get fed up and they jump off the wheel to the next new thing. They get fed up with their boss, so they jump off the wheel to get another job if they can. They get fed up with their pastor, so they jump off the wheel to get a new church. Who, they say, oh, I don't like the wheel. Who likes the wheel? The wheel is a place. The wheel is a place where we decrease and he has to increase. The wheel is a place where the potter asserts his power over the clay. None of us want that. I want to make a statement now. And if you get this, I tell you, if, even if you just guess at this and nothing else today, it could save you and it could bring peace into your life. You will never be content with what you have in life until you make peace with who you are. You won't be content. You can have, you can have everything in the world. And, and, and if you've not made peace with who you are, then you will never be content. And I tell you, our peace... Our identity comes from God. It doesn't come from Facebook. It doesn't come from our friends. It comes from God. And once you settle that, once you settle who God wants you to be, then you'll have peace. You know, another reason why people jump off the wheel is because of, 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 of offense. How I many you know that God will put us with people who get up our right nostril and down our left? People, people that we won't see eye to eye with. People who, in fact... Get, get us down. People that we wouldn't in a million years spend time with. But God will throw us into situations with these people. And there we are. We're binding the, the devil. We're, we're casting that demon out of them. And God says, well, actually, they're right and you're wrong. 
And I'm using them. I'm using them to knock some of the rough edges off you. I'm using them to mold you and shape you and build character in you. But we don't like it. But the wheel of God's will will bring offense. The wheel of God's will. It happened to Jesus. The, the people, you know, that the crowds followed Jesus. The Pharisees, they hated Jesus because he was a stumbling block. He was a rock that they couldn't overcome. One day Jesus said to the crowd, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you've got no life in you. And the crowd, the crowd went away. The crowd in their masses left him because they were offended. Anybody offended anyone? Hands up if you've offended someone. Hands up if you've been offended. Yeah, we've all done it, haven't we, Cain? Yeah, every one of us have offended and been offended. And and this is what what happened to Jesus. He offended people because he was preaching the truth. And they left him. They all left him. And he turned to his disciples and he said, you're going to leave me now? In other words, he was saying to them, are you going to jump off the wheel? The wheel that I've made, I've created and formed to make you into great men, world shakers and, and men who are going to change this world. Are you going to jump off the wheel? And what did the disciples say? They said, Lord, we've got nowhere to go. In other words, we're going to stay on the wheel. Where else are we going to go? Folks, where else are you going to go this morning? Are you going to jump off the wheel? And you may be experiencing offense today. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody has disappointed you. Somebody has has promised you something and let you down. I implore you. I implore you. Stay on the wheel. Don't jump off the wheel. Listen, I can save you a lot of pain. Stay on the wheel. Stay where God has put you to be. So the, the potter, he washes the clay, he smites the clay, he molds the clay on the wheel. And I want to share this. I know the time is nearly gone. The potter sears the clay. He, he, the potter then puts the clay in the furnace. Now, the, the furnace is not a pleasant, calming experience for the clay, is it? It's not. But, but if the clay is going to be fit for purpose, if the clay is going to be endurable, if it's going to be lasting, it has to go through the furnace. And look, folks, we don't want to go through the furnace, do we, in life? None of us want to go through the furnace of affliction. None of us want to experience pain and hurt and disappointment. We don't want to go through that. Anybody want to go through that? None of us. But do you know, it's, a, it's part of the process that God puts us through. Do you, know, do you know, this was interesting. When I was doing some study, do you know one of the, the most expensive uh, pieces or expensive types of pottery is porcelain? Do you know why that is? It's because porcelain is baked at a high temperature. It doesn't chip easy. And do you know one of the qualities of porcelain is that when it's struck, it sings. Isn't that a great thought? And that's what God wants us to develop. When people use us and abuse us, when they talk maliciously against us, when they, when they say things that are not right, that we sing. Just like Silas and Paul in, the, in, that, in that Philippi prison, we sing. I was reading about Jerome and Huss, two great men of God, were burned at the stake. Do you know what they did when they were burned at the stake? They weren't, they weren't accusing or, or abusing their... their the, the, you know, the people that were doing this to them, they sang. And God wants us to develop a Christ-like resonance that when we're hurt, when people use us and abuse us, that we sing. That, that we, we repay evil with good and we show some love under pressure. Because it's not always easy, is it? So, just finally, just very quickly, looked at the potter's pit, uh, Looked at the potter's process, and just for a few moments, I want to look at the potter's patience. Do you know, one thing that the clay had to do in this, in this story, in this illustration, was to yield. That was the only thing the clay had to do, was to yield. It had to yield to the hand of the potter. That was the only quality that the potter was requiring of the clay, was to yield. But it didn't yield. It didn't yield. And, you know, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to yield. 
Because that, you know, that strength, the flesh rises up inside of us and it's, I'll show them, I'm going I'm to do it my way. But God wants us to yield. You know, if I were a potter, I think I would have given up on the clay. I certainly wouldn't have kept working with it. I'd have slung it and got a new batch. Anybody would have done the same thing, probably. But it says, Jeremiah 18, 4 says, but the pot he was shaping was, uh, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel that it seemed good to the potter to make. I like those words, he made it again. And I think for some of us, we're, we're a project where God is making us again. We are. You know, when Abraham, that great man of faith, faith left the promised land, he lied about Sarah being his wife. And he nearly lost it to a pagan king. Did God reject him? No. He made him again. Abraham became a father of a nation. When Peter, the warrior, Peter, when he said, Jesus, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And then he disowns Jesus three times. Did Jesus forsake him? No. He made him again. As Pastor Davis has been talking about, he became one of the greatest soul winners the world has ever known. When David, he killed a man and slept with his wife. You know, did he... Did he reject him as king? No, he made him again. And David became a man after God's own heart. You know, and I just want to say this on closing. Do you know, the devil may have been telling you today that, that there's no way back. There's no, there's no way you can make it. There's no way that, that the dream that's in your heart, the plan that you have, you know it's of God, is going to ever be fulfilled. God's left you. He's abandoned you. He's left you. You, 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 it's, it's done and dusted. He's finished with you. That's it. That's the end. Listen, that's a lie. God is going to make you again. He's going to make you again in Jesus' name. Do you know what? I was just, um, just, I was just thinking of a, a story that, when my, you know, how many know that kids, when they're young, they don't, they're not willing to yield very well, are they? They don't yield to the hand of discipline. You know, and I don't mean like whacking them. I don't mean that. But I mean just correction. They don't like it. And I can remember a story when the kids were younger. Nate was... Um, Bless him, he was, a, he was a lot younger than what he is now. I wouldn't be able to do it to him now, but certainly then I could. But um, I, I remember that, you know, he, we told him off for something. I put him upstairs and he went to the bed and he, he, he you know, he's, he's there in his room. He shut his door and there he is crying and sobbing on his bed. And I'm thinking, so there's a dad. I went upstairs and I, and I listened by the door. And, um, and, and everything inside of me as a dad wanted to go in. I wanted to say, oh, it's okay, and give him a cut, but I knew it wasn't appropriate. I knew it wouldn't have been the right time to go in after, after telling him off and giving him a hug. It wasn't that time. But there, there I was outside the door, and then Nathan, he sort of, you know, eventually he fell asleep. And I, and, you know, I, I was just thinking about the whole experience this week, and I thought, well, you know, Nathan's experience would have been, you know, he could have gone to sleep thinking, well, my dad doesn't love me, he doesn't care for me. Look how he told me off. He left me in that room to, to go to sleep on my own, but he didn't know I was outside the bedroom door. And certainly what he did know is when, I, when he'd gone to sleep, I went in, I kissed him on the cheek and prayed for him and blessed him. You know, for some of us this morning, you think that God is a million miles from, away from you and he's left you uh, and he's abandoned you. He's not going to, he's, he's, you know, you're, 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 the plan that he has is, is over with. Now listen, let me tell you, he's going to make you again. And God is just outside your bread and door. In fact, he's closer than that. He's closer than the very air that we breathe. He's interested in you. His thoughts are for you and not against you. He's a plan to bless you and prosper you and give you a hope and a future. He's for you this morning. He's for you. Just one with every head bowed and every eye closed right now. You may not know. You may not know. Do you know... I didn't, do you know, I had an encounter with God in a pub, as I explained, and I, I didn't put my hand up in a church. I didn't, uh, I didn't go to the front, but I had an encounter with God that day or that night, and my life was never, ever the same again. Never. 
I had an encounter with God. And there's some of us, maybe this morning, we need that encounter, whether it's in the church or whether it's outside the church. You need an encounter. You need a real encounter with God. Maybe you've been brought up in a church for a long time, but you haven't got your own experience. You live off the back of other people. God, the master potter wants to come into your heart today. He wants to come into your life. And just with every head bowed and every eye shut, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, it's the best thing you can ever do. It's the best thing you can ever do. It's not an easy life, but it's such a fulfilling, wonderful life. When you wake up on a Monday morning, when it's blowing a gale, it's hammering out with rain, to know that you have a purpose, to know that you have a destiny, to know that there's hope, there's nothing better. And with every head bowed and every eye shut, if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior this morning, I'd like you to pray the prayer. In fact, I think it would be good if we can all pray this prayer aloud. Can, we say, can you say this after me? Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning that you are the potter and I am the clay. Lord, I surrender my life to you. Lord, I'm fed up of being my own pot. Lord, take the clay of my life and mold me and shape me into the person that you want me to be. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for loving me, forgiving me of my sin and making me clean. Amen. With every head bowed, just right this moment, if, if you prayed that prayer, do you know, I'd, I'd love to, to pray with you. Or, or, or we've got te- a team here that would love to pray with you. And we'd love to give you a Bible and some literature to help you. Just with every head bowed and every eye shut at this moment in time. Is there anybody who's, that's prayed that prayer? Maybe for the first time or you've made a recommitment to Jesus. Is there anyone in this place this morning? Is there anyone? Okay, let me just pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you, Lord God, that your word does not return to you void. It achieves that for which you have sent it. It accomplishes that for which you desire. And I pray this morning that those people who feel so broken, so, so damaged, that feel as if their life is like a row of bombed houses, such a mess. Lord, I thank you as they yield to you this morning, as they recommit their heart to you, whether they do it with a friend or whether they do it on their own. I thank you that this is a new day. I thank you that the old is gone and the new has come. I thank you that, Lord God, you're going to recommission them. You're going to strengthen them to carry out the work that you have for them. Bless them, Lord. Bless your people today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.